Girlfriends, episode number 258, Ready, Set, Lent. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are giving a pep talk on Lent. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Welcome to any new listeners who happen to be joining us for the first time this week. Thrilled you're here. Glad you're giving us a chance. I hope you're going to want to stay a while. And thank you to those of you who are joining me again or many times over or every week. I'm so grateful for your presence here and all the ways you encourage and support what we do here at Girlfriends. Every one of you who's listening right now is a valued and important member of the Girlfriends community. I'm so grateful that you are here. So how are you? Here in New Hampshire, we are buried in snow today. We got about 10 inches overnight and it's feeling kind of cozy. I'm remembering that there's a Scandinavian saying, I think it's something like there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. (laughs) So if you're not enjoying the current weather, maybe you need to wear something different, a warmer coat or some waterproof boots or a snug cap. I was just thinking about that today because I think, you know, I might disagree. I think they're actually when you're standing like in blizzard kind of conditions and the wind's blowing in your face and it's negative, you know, temperatures outside that it it kind of feels like bad weather. (laughs) even if you're wearing good clothing, I don't know. Um, But I like the idea behind that saying that there's no such thing as bad weather. Like we, and you know, we can apply that in different ways to our lives. Like there's no such thing as bad circumstances. We need to adjust the way that we're responding to them or the, the way that we're framing them in our minds, which can really have a big impact in how we are experiencing them. So whether you're a snow person or not, I just wanted to share that, that little thought with you here today. Uh, my boss, Father Jim Phelan at Holy Cross Family Ministries, he, he always just, whenever people talk about the weather, he always is just joyful about it. And that's such a great example to me. Like even if it's pouring rain out, he's just joyful about it and saying, thank God for the rain. You know, thank God it's raining. And um, rather than what many of us do, which is tend to gripe about whatever the weather is, you know, I'm always astonished here in New Hampshire where we do have four seasons and they can be extreme that we do so quickly go from complaining about the cold to complaining about the heat to complaining about the wind or it's too dry or it's raining too much. And I I kind of like that example that Father Jim sets of just always being grateful for the weather. So today I'm grateful to be surrounded by white. I guess I'm also grateful that I'm not the one out there clearing off cars or shoveling snow. I've got big boys who handle that and Dan. So I'm grateful for that as well and, and fully acknowledging that the snow does mean additional work, especially for some members of my family. So before we dive into today's content, which is getting ready for Lent, believe it or not, kind of feels like the whole past year has been a prolonged season of Lent and of giving up in various ways, but let's not focus there. Speaking of positivity, um, I'm going to share some thoughts about Lent. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention one last time, because 
This is your last chance to register for the Catholic Bible Summit. The link is in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com. You can also get the link in my social media or reach out to me, Daniela, daniellebean.com. I'll be glad to send you the information that you need to register for free. They've got some great presenters over there, including Father Mike Schmitz, including Scott and Kimberly Hahn, including Sonia Corbett and Elizabeth Foss, so many wonderful presenters. Um, inside of the Catholic Bible Summit, focusing on scripture and not necessarily this heady, deep intellectual stuff that you might be worried is going to be dry or boring or over your head, really just looking at some practical ways to make scripture more an everyday part of your everyday life. And I love that focus. It's so very practical, meets people where they are. If you feel like you want to learn more about scripture, but you're not sure where to begin, here's a great free way to do that right before you start into Lent this year. And of course, they do have the All Access Pass upgrade that I hope you will consider because it's a great way that you can support the presenters um, where you can get lifetime access to the talk. So not just have access to the talks for free from February 11th through the 13th, but then continue to have access to the talks after that in audio files. You can take them on the go and just Listen to them at your leisure. Maybe this is going to be your Lent this year. An investment that you can make inside of the Catholic Bible Summit could pay off for you all through Lent. You might listen to just one a day. I think that would be a great plan for your Lenten season. So speaking of Lent, are you ready? Here we go. By the time this podcast publishes, you'll have just a little bit of time left, just barely over a week before Lent begins in earnest. So have you thought about a plan for Lent this year? What are your thoughts on it? I mentioned many of us during the age of COVID have been talking about how, you know, the past year has felt like a never ending Lent. And that's true in some ways, but not in all ways, if we're honest. And so I think having a plan for our Lenten season this year makes a lot of sense. Um, It's something we should all consider carefully what we're going to be doing for Lent. You know, when I was a kid, it was always about like, what are you going to give up for Lent? And then there was kind of like a switch where people were like, oh, don't give up something for Lent. Take on something for Lent. Do something more, whether it's in your prayer life or um, volunteering or whatever. Um, And those are both legitimate approaches, okay? Giving up something, taking something on. But I wanted to talk today, I just wanted to encourage you a little bit to think along the lines of the three parts of Lent, the three aspects of it that, you know, that are supposed to be part of our Lenten practices that the church teaches us, which are prayer, fasting and almsgiving. So that gives us a little bit of focus when we're thinking about what should my Lenten season look like this year? Really, what we should be asking ourselves is, how how does God want to use this time, this liturgical season to draw me closer to him? And only you inside of prayer can discern the answer to that, can figure out what in what specific ways is God calling you to grow closer in relationship with him during this Lenten season. So I'm going to talk about each of these different aspects of Lent and um, just ask you maybe some questions that might guide you along in a sort of an examination of your life. And I hope encourage you to reflect a little bit more on these. Like I said, I'm not going to have any answers for you here. Some years I've done like a whole list of sharing different ideas for things to take on or do during Lent. I mean, I might share some ideas, but for the most part, I just want to encourage you along these lines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to think about what might God be calling you to do in this season of Lent, these 40 days where we have the opportunity to grow 
to grow in our faith lives, to grow closer to Jesus, to grow in mercy and compassion and understanding and grow in virtue. So in what ways might God be calling you to do that? So I'm going to share some scripture passages for each of these different themes and just kind of we'll walk through some different ideas about them. So the first one is prayer. So we're going to start with prayer. And you know, one scripture passage that I love to reflect on when it comes to prayer is in Mark chapter one, verse 35. So simple. Talking about Jesus, we read, and in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place and there he prayed. So that's from Mark chapter one, verse 35. I love to read that passage because You might just read it in the course of reading the entire chapter and completely miss that, right? But when you focus on it, that Jesus woke up in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. He didn't get his buddies and and go, you know, gather to worship together. He went to a lonely place and there he prayed. So what is this example that Jesus is setting for us? First of all, we have the example that Jesus sets for us of prayer prayer in the first place, which is astonishing, right? Because Jesus is God. So why does he need to pray? Is he talking to himself? Well, he's talking to God the Father. He's in relationship with God the Father. But more importantly than that, he's setting an example for us. And he does this multiple times through the scriptures. You know, after the multiplication of the loaves, we read, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. So after he did this great, astonishing, giant miracle, what did he do? He took off by himself to pray. And then in the passage after he chooses his 12 apostles, we read in uh, Luke chapter six, in these days, he went into the hills to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. I mean, there's a, a fantastic example for us. Like, why is Jesus doing this? Because it's important, right? So let's, let's think about that. What does that mean? Why would Jesus do this? Why would he go away to pray? Um, you know, we also, we read also in chapter nine of Luke. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the people say that I am? So, you know, in this, we just happened to hear that he was praying alone when he has this conversation with them. And then he was, he was praying in a, a certain place. We read also in Luke chapter 11, he was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And of course, this is where he teaches us the Lord's prayer, the Our Father. And then, of course, we have the famous scripture passage where we read about him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. So all of these times we see Jesus in this great example. And in that first passage I read, and in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. So here's the example Jesus is setting for us and we might miss it if we don't focus, if we don't reflect on that passage. Does that mean we have to get up at four in the morning and and go out to pray by ourselves? No, not necessarily. I mean, yes, if you are so inclined, (laughs) do that. Um, But just this example of going away to pray, setting aside time, this is what I take from it. This is Jesus setting aside time, time set aside, not just you know, he happens to pray before meals. He happens to pray with his family. He notices, you know, something he's grateful for and says a prayer of thanksgiving, which of course is how we can and should be going about our days. But this is deliberate time set aside for prayer. 
And so I want to challenge you before this Lenten season to reflect on this question. How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you set aside deliberately for prayer each day? And are there ways that you could do more of that, that you could make a greater commitment if you're not doing it at all? And let me tell you, I I see you, I hear you, I get you, I have been there. If you're not doing it at all, start there. Start with five minutes. Start with just committing some time to prayer. And, you know, I get the whole, you know, I'm so busy. Moms will do this a lot. And I know I've fallen into this trap too. And I call it a trap because it's not good for you um, to fall into this trap of saying, oh, I'm so busy. My life is a prayer. Well, let's be honest. Is it, is it if you're never pausing inside of all that busyness to connect with God, to say a prayer? to grow in your relationship with God in the way that he intends for you to, if you never have those spaces of quiet. And I completely understand about having many obligations, distractions, disruptions, interruptions. And we can, you know, we moms are are great at this setting aside time and it gets interrupted in a thousand ways. Yes, I'm not telling you it's all going to go perfectly, but that's no excuse for not setting aside that time in the first place. I mean, what are you spending your time on? What are you spending your time on? What, what things are, are more important to you? Because you may say, no, no, it's not more important to me. You know, watching Netflix or whatever, or scrolling through social media, it's not more important to me. It's just that's easy to do or I'm exhausted. And I, I completely get all of that. But this Lent, in what way could you answer that call to grow closer to God through deliberate time set aside for prayer? It might be in the mornings. I really, I really have a lot of success personally when I do it first thing in the morning. On and it's such a lesson to me because on days where I, you know, either I get up late or something, or you know, we have something first thing in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'll do it after lunchtime, or I'll do this in the evening, or I have this time in the afternoon. I'm sure I can do it then. It's such a lesson to me because it rarely happens that way. It's so hard to fit it in. And, you know, life is just like that. You get pulled in a bunch of different directions and all of a sudden it's like the end of the day. And as your head is hitting the pillow, you're like, oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for today. You know, and that's really not ideal. Uh, Some days are going to be like that. Um, I'm not chastising anybody who's struggling through something right now or, you know, a very busy or a very distracted time in your life. But think about the ways in which God might be calling you to be more deliberate about setting aside time to pray, following that example of Jesus in that scripture passage from Mark. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. This is truly a beautiful example to us because it's good for us. This isn't something where Jesus is setting this example to lord it over us. God doesn't need us to pray. We need to pray. We need that. We're built for that. We're built for that relationship with our creator. And when we fight against it, when we choose lesser things instead of it, we're the ones who suffer in the end. So this is a gift you can give yourself. So I'm not going to prescribe any particular length of time or time of day or kind of prayer that part's on you. You can figure that out. But I am going to challenge you to look at your days and really be honest with yourself about how much time you have set aside for prayer, how faithful you are about that. And spend some time right now in prayer asking God, what more are you asking for? What more do you want from me? What more can I do when it comes to setting aside time deliberately 
to pray each day. Look for ways that you can grow in that way during this Lenten season coming up. All right. The next aspect of Lent is fasting. Now, this is one we focus on, right? We were talking about what are you going to give up for Lent? What are you going to give up? And yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways we can fast, but I think it's really important that in the Gospels, you know, we read the story of Jesus fasting in the desert. He fasted. That really meant actually he went without food, you know, in the desert for 40 days. So he set that example. And then, you know, the church does require fasting for people who are 14 years old and older um, on Ash Wednesday, abstaining from meat on Fridays and on Good Friday. And, you know, the church's description of fasting is, is pretty easy if we're honest. You know, I think it's like two smaller meals that if you put them together, they don't add up to your third meal of the day. I mean, that sounds like a lot of eating to me and, you know, not eating in between meals. So you know, the very basics that the church is requiring of us, for sure, we need to be doing that much. Of course, if you are sick or if you're pregnant or if you're nursing, um, there are various ways that these rules and regulations don't apply to you, but it doesn't mean you can't give up something. It doesn't mean you can't go without something. Maybe you're not going to be going for lengths of time without eating, but maybe you're not going to eat your very favorite stuff. You know, you can you can make a, an adjustment like that. But Jesus fasting in the desert, he sets that example for us of fasting. And then we have where Jesus specifically teaches us about fasting in Matthew chapter six, where he talks specifically about how to fast. So this is the quotation I want to share with you. Um, from scripture here on fasting. So Jesus said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to others to be fasting, except your father who is hidden and your father who sees what is hidden will repay you. So what do we, what do we, can we learn about fasting when what Jesus is telling us about fasting here that maybe we don't need to talk about it? <laughs> you know, it can be helpful to talk with people and get inspired by other people like, oh, what are you doing for Lent? And, but, you know, be careful about how much you share about what you might be giving up and, you know, therefore making it less of a gift to God, less of a sacrifice that you're making for God and more of something that you're, you're showing to others maybe showing your holiness, showing, oh, I can do this great sacrifice. And um, that doesn't mean you can't gain encouragement from sharing with a friend or sharing with your husband what you might be doing, but maybe we don't need to talk about it so much as we need to do it. And then the thing that I really take away from this idea of fasting. So yes, we're talking about fasting from food and um, we've talked a little bit about the, the small ways in which our church requires us to do that on certain days, especially during Lent. But in addition to that, you know, this is what we say, like, oh, I'm going to fast from social media, or I'm going to fast from television, I'm going to fast from complaining, and all of these are, are very good things. So I would just challenge you as you're deciding, what are you going to fast from this Lent? What, how will fasting play a part in your Lent this year is to reflect a little bit. Think about what are some of the things that you turn to for comfort? instead of God. 
Now, this is a very handy way to find out what you might need to fast from during this Lent. So, you know, in a, in a moment where you might be feeling stressed or you might feel sad or you're especially tired, you've had a rough day, where do you look for rest? Where do you take your rest? What are you resting in? And it can be really helpful to reflect on what our response is to some of these stressors in our life. Like, are you turning to social media, just scrolling through social media because you're too tired to do anything else? Or do you turn to food or drink or games or television or shopping is a big one. I've shared with you here on the podcast before about one time when I had a very stressful conversation with somebody and my immediate response, like I was driving and right after I hung up with this person, my immediate response was like, I wanted to drive to like TJ Maxx. Like I found myself like looking to turn into that parking lot, even though that wasn't my plan to go there. But it really opened my eyes for like, why why are you looking to shop right now? You know, so that might be something for you that you feel inclined to do when you're looking for comfort, when you're seeking comfort. Do you seek comfort in compliments or praise from other people? Do you go out fishing for compliments? Do you look for compliments on social media? This is a big one. Do you post something and then just, you know, hang on to every like or every comment or those kinds of interactions? Is that where you're seeking your self-worth? These are important questions for us to think about, especially at the start of Lent, because they might point to the things that God is asking us to diminish in our lives. They might point to things where we're placing them in place of God. We're, we're putting an inordinate amount of ourselves into these things. We're investing in them in a way that we're not meant to invest in these temporal things, these lesser things, these material things, especially. So think about where you turn for comfort. And some of them are good things. There's nothing wrong with watching television. There's nothing wrong with, you know, seeking consolation in your, your relationship with your husband. I mean, that's a good thing or, you know, or your friendships with other people. And there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine or a bowl of ice cream or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with those things. The, the wrong comes when we put those things in God's place, when we turn to those things for comfort, when we turn to those things for our self-worth, to lift ourselves up, when we seek our quote-unquote rest inside of these things, instead of seeking our rest in God as we're meant to, as we're built to, he created us for that. So that's, that's where we kind of go, we recross that line. So I want to challenge you to think about where do you seek comfort? And one thing that's really helpful for me in figuring this out is to pray the litany of humility. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You know, we've talked about this before. I spent a whole year, I guess it's almost two years ago now, um, of my life praying the litany of humility each day and kind of seeing where that would, where that practice could draw me into praying both the litany of humility and the litany of trust, both beautiful prayers. I do recommend them. Okay, making a note to myself, I'm going to put the litany of trust also in the show notes for this episode of Girlfriends. Um, so if you pray the litany of humility, though, what really stands out to me, and this is why we have a problem praying it, some of us, like these things that we're, we're asking God not to give us, like love from others, recognition from others, praise, you know, a sense of accomplishment, um, you know, this, this kind of worthiness that the world might offer you, that there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with you feeling good if somebody gives you a compliment. There's nothing wrong with, you know, seeking love from other people. But 
what we ask for is a detachment from those things or to have those things in their proper place, that that's not where we're seeking our self-worth inside of those things. So inside the, the litany of humility, I found it really helpful to reflect on the fact that we, we ask, you know, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, to desire not to be loved in these ways. You're not necessarily saying, you know, Lord, make me unloved and unlovable. I mean, that isn't what he wants for you anyway. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be loved. He loves you and he wants the people in your life to love you. But what he doesn't want is for you to be seeking those things in place of him. So this Lent, I want to challenge you. Think about what in your life do you cling to in that way? In what ways are you especially tempted to place other things in God's place? In what things are you seeking comfort instead of turning to God? When you're sad, when you're stressed, when you feel abandoned, when you feel alone, when you feel like a failure, God wants you to turn to Him in those needs not these other things. So, you know, that prayer practice of praying the litany of humility and and praying for a holy detachment from those things can really be helpful in setting your perspective right in that it's God alone who belongs in that place in your life. It's only in God that we find lasting happiness, fulfillment, our sense of purpose, joy, peace, understanding, all those things we're striving for and looking for, you know, in all of these other pleasures and other fleeting things here on earth. God is the eternal answer to all of those ways that we're seeking. And Lent is an opportunity for you to remove some of those things that might be distracting you, that you might be tempted to put in God's place sometimes. So fasting from those, this Lent can be a part of the way that God is calling you to draw closer to him this Lenten season. All right, the final part of Lent is almsgiving. So this one, I am pulling the uh, scripture passage from the story of the widow's might. So let me read this for you. And we know this story, but it's helpful to remind ourselves. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. So inside of that passage, I hear a challenge for us this Lenten season inside of almsgiving, to look at the ways in which we give alms. Maybe you give to your local parish. Maybe you give to charitable organizations. Maybe there are family members that you help out or friends that you give money to on occasion, Um, you know, different organizations that you like to support. And that's great. But this is an opportunity to examine some of the ways you're giving, how much you're giving, and why you are giving. So do we even think about this? You know, I think there's a real challenge to us inside of this scripture passage because Jesus, he's pretty clear here. What he's he's pointing out is that she put in more than even the rich people who put in large sums because she p- contributed all she had. There's a challenge right there. All she had, like God's only asking for everything. Oh, okay, no problem. So of course, that doesn't mean you need to, you know, quit your job or turn over your entire paycheck to your local charity or whatever. But 
it does mean that God is calling for us to be detached from material goods in that in that way that we maybe don't consider our money ours right in what ways might you be attached to your bank account attached to your paycheck attached to your material goods and your material comforts and think of them as yours because they're not they're not yours they belong to God and he's allowing you use of them and he's hoping you're going to make good use of them and he's hoping you're going to be generous in sharing them with others who need those same things who don't have as much as you do so this lent is an opportunity for us to reflect on this passage of the widow's might and think in what ways am i holding back even if you just have two coins in what ways are you clinging to your two coins I know I've done this. I've found myself doing this. I, I remember one time in particular that I received an unexpected paycheck in the mail. It happens to writers sometimes, you know, with royalties and whatnot. Sometimes you'll get a, a check in the mail and it wasn't for a huge amount, but the minute I got it, I thought of a friend who I knew could use it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this to her. And on the way driving over there to just put it into her mailbox, I, I thought of a hundred reasons why I shouldn't do that or why I should keep part of it. And, you know, out of caution, perhaps, what if the car breaks down? What if I have a medical bill? What if, what if, what if, what if? There was a part of me that was holding back my two little stupid coins. So frustrating the ways in which we have so far to grow, right? And, you know, that just betrays this lack of trust in God, that we're clinging to those things instead of to him. Here I was, wasn't even wanting to give from my surplus. That wasn't a check that I counted on in any way or that my family needed. It was extra. It was a bonus. And here I was clinging to it. So important to examine the ways that we might be clinging to our two coins or to our many coins, whatever it is, whatever your circumstances are. God is asking us, he's inviting us inside of this passage to have a right relationship with those things. You might still have many things. You know, there are many virtuous people who are wealthy, but their virtue comes from a detachment from those things and a willingness to share them and an understanding that they don't belong to them. Or, you know, some of us put all of our investment in our own selves. We forget that God's even part of the equation, whether it's you need to earn this job or your husband has a job and you earn this money, just always focused on what you are accomplishing, what money you're earning and the ways in which, yeah, you can share it with others in, in ways to do good, but do you have a disordered idea of where it's coming from? Who, whose it is in the first place? So almsgiving is an invitation to grow inside of our understanding of what material goods are, what our, our wealth is, and you know the way that God looks at it that it's all his. And, you know, also to examine some of the ways in which we give or our attitude toward giving. Like, do you just give the bare minimum and you don't even feel it? This passage is a real challenge to people who might be inclined to just do that. Like just skim off a little bit from the top. I'll never even feel this. That's not what God's asking us to do. Even if it's a large sum at the end of the day, he's saying this, this poor widow gave in the way that pleases him because she gave all because she's trusting in God and she knew it didn't belong to her. So this Lent, I want to encourage you and challenge you to spend some time reflecting on some of the ways in which God might be calling you to give more, give more, whether that means money or your time and your attention to somebody in your life who needs it. Maybe there's a, an organization you could volunteer for. Maybe there's someone in your life who could use your regular attention, someone in your own home, perhaps, who could use your regular attention. 
Are you stingy with your time? I am so stingy with my time. This is something I've noticed and kind of battled within myself over the years is I have this inclination to, and, and you know, it's crazy to say, right? Because, you know, I'm work from home, have, you know, homeschoolers, eight kids through the years and all these various obligations that I've had. And yet I would still feel like, you know, I, I would give time to all of these things, but I realized when I had time, like a Saturday morning, for example, or an evening where I was going to focus on this one thing, my own thing, my own project, my own whatever, and if that got interrupted, I, I was inordinately angry about that. And, you know, through the years, I've, I've come to understand that that's something that I tend to be really stingy with. My time, me, me, me. The same way our money doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. Our time doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. I did a whole show on um, what might you be keeping from God. And um, I'm going to put a note here. I'm going to link to that in the show notes, because I think that's a helpful one. If you're wondering, what are you clinging to instead of God? What are you keeping from God? You know, this Lent might be an opportunity for you to reflect on that and give up one of those things or fast in one of those areas or give alms in one of those areas. So I'll link to that in the show notes in case you want further reflection and further thoughts on this topic. But for me, um, in that show, I talked a little bit about my time and how stingy I can be with my time. And that was what I found through the years when we were homeschooling. So, you know, when you're homeschooling, that that famous commercial where, you know, the I think it's Staples, where the parents are dancing through the aisles and they're playing that song. It's the most wonderful time of the year because their kids are going back to school. That one always just felt bitter to me because... <laughs> I was a homeschooler, so I had my summers off from that obligation. And September would feel like this crushing, overwhelming reclaiming of responsibility and this infringement upon my time, me, 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 in a way that I always struggled with. I really would struggle in, you know, in September of every year, like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And it, you know, through the years, it's really made me reckon with that idea that I have this idea of my time and I'm stingy with it. And it's not mine. So it's important to recognize the, the areas of your life beyond money, maybe where you might be stingy, where you might be clinging to something and not recognizing that it belongs to God first. So those are my challenges, my brief little reflections, and maybe a little bit of an examination um, of your conscience as we're preparing for Lent here. So just want to encourage you to look at those three different aspects of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. How might God be inviting you to grow closer to Him through these different things, these three different aspects this Lent? And if you come up with an answer to each of those, even if it's very simple, you'll have a great plan in place for this Lenten season. I'd love to hear from you what your plans are for Lent or if this little exercise has been helpful to you in any way. You can always contact me through email, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Would love to connect with you there as well. Coming up, I've got some listener feedback for you, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. 
Welcome back. All right, now we're at the part of the show where I like to share some listener feedback or a listener's question with you. If you have a question you'd like me to take up in this segment on a future show, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to get your questions or your feedback. Okay, so this came from listener Megan this week and she wrote, Dear Danielle, I'd love it if you could answer this question. I work as a public high school teacher and my faith is a constant source of conflict for me at my job. Everyone in my department is extremely liberal and while they wouldn't admit it, anti-Catholic. I've been made fun of for being pro-life and the environment is so hostile to my political views that I feel like I can't express beliefs at all without people hating me. I know that Jesus tells us that blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. I just don't know when I should speak up and when I should disengage from these kinds of conversations. I have to work with these people in collaborative ways, so it's hard to be utterly hated by the people I have to work with, which is why I often stay silent. However, I feel an enormous amount of guilt when I don't speak up for my beliefs. Part of me wonders if I need to look for a different career long-term or if I just need to accept that no one is going to like me and live with being disliked or hated at work. I am my family's sole provider and likely will be our main breadwinner since I've been teaching for 15 years and am almost at the top of the pay scale. The benefits are good and the pay isn't bad considering I've been teaching for so long. I wish I could do something different, but I feel stuck. Any advice for my situation Thanks, Megan. Okay, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that you are you're going through that, Megan. That is a tough situation. That is a really hard situation. And what stands out to me is that you don't share, you know, that you're miserable teaching. Like you don't even mention the teaching part. And so if that part is okay for you, if you enjoy teaching, if you you feel like this is something that you could do long term, then I think that you need to focus on how to make the rest of that, the social part, the part of being a, you know, being on a team where you feel like the only one with your belief system. Um, you need to make that workable. And, you know, focus on the good you can do inside the classroom with the kids that you are teaching. And of course, you know, in, in ways that are appropriate, doesn't mean you can be preaching to the kids in a public school, but, you know, through setting an example and being a virtuous person. But then, Outside of that, you know, the teachers I, I know, I, I fully know the, the kinds of conflicts that I'm sure you're facing. And my advice to you would be, especially since you are, you're saying the main source of income for your family, it seems like it's important for you to have this kind of work. And, you know, if your work environment truly becomes hostile, of course, there are, you know, legal things you can do about that, or you could, you know, try to switch to a Catholic school, but I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you realistically it may be just as bad inside of a, you know, a Catholic school, depending on where you go and what kind of school it is. But I think you don't need to be fighting with these people. You don't need to be talking about politics with these people. You don't need to, you know, talk about your faith with these people. I think you're feeling an undue pressure to kind of contradict people or stand out in a way you say you, you feel guilty when you're silent. But I think your silent example could be a great thing. You could be a great addition to that social environment in that way. Maybe you're the only one who's not participating in gossiping, or maybe you're the only one who, you know, isn't talking about that scandalous book or, you know, whatever it is that people are into or whatever. It, but it doesn't mean you have to be preaching to them. And I'm not saying you're doing this, but it doesn't mean you even have to be engaging with them in arguments. Um, maybe your temperament is more along those lines, but I think there's so much good you can do just by being present, being a good person, being someone they can appreciate on a personal level. And I'm sure there's lots about them that you can appreciate on a personal level, you know, belief systems aside. 
And, you know, focus on that. Focus on real relationships with these people in whatever way is appropriate and um, in whatever way you might feel inclined. And it doesn't mean they're ever maybe going to be your best friends, but you can have authentic friendships with people who feel very different from you politically or religiously speaking. But, you know, you say you've been made fun of for being pro-life. I'm, I, you know, that is, of course, unacceptable. And, you know, that could be something along the lines of a hostile work environment where um, you, you don't have to put up with that and you can make a complaint about things like that. But maybe you don't need to be talking about abortion politics. Maybe you don't. You know, I have a, a friend who lives in and works in an environment that sounds similar to what you are describing here. And he told me that he never contradicts people. He never gets into arguments with people. But what he does is he asks questions. And um, so his political views are like completely unknown to his coworkers. Now that might be too late for you because it sounds like you have shared some or, you know, his, his the fact that he's Catholic. You don't necessarily have to advertise these things to people. And I, I loved what he shared about, you know, there might be some conversation about politics or about religion or whatever. There might be demonstrating some gross misunderstanding of Catholic teaching or whatever it is. And he says his his way of handling that always was to ask questions. He might just ask a question like, why, why do you think that is or or what do you what do you believe about that or how do you think that feels for that person or you know whatever it is questions are a wonderful way to you know engage people in a conversation and encourage them to think about things from a different perspective that doesn't have to feel hostile or threatening because you know you're not you're not correcting them you're not getting in their face and telling them that they're wrong you're not making an argument you're just asking a question and I think that can go a long way, especially in the kind of environment that you describe to, you know, opening up a conversation to become a little bit more of an actual conversation and um, not so much an argument. So that would be my advice to you to consider maybe doing that. Look for ways that you can just ask questions. Look for ways that you can just ask, you know, somewhat maybe challenging questions or questions that encourage people to examine their motives or the consequences of things or their, or their values, um, not in a way that engages them in an argument, not in a way that feels threatening or aggressive to them, not in a way that's going to shame them or make them feel corrected or like um, you're, you're lording something over them, you know, something as simple as just asking a question. I, I think that's a really beautiful way to approach it. And you do not have to engage these people in arguments. For sure, you don't have to talk about politics. And for sure, you don't have to talk about religion with these people. And you are not denying Jesus Christ if you are not, you know, doing that at every moment that you have the opportunity to do it here. It sounds like they know you already anyway. <laughs> so just, I would really focus on making good connections with people and just being the good person that you are and kind of setting that example for them. You know, like the the ideal situation would be somebody meets you and they, they like, hey, I really like that Megan. She's really nice. I really enjoyed my conversation with her about whatever. And only after the fact, they might find out, oh, she's Catholic or, oh, she, she believes, you know, life is sacred from the moment of conception to natural death. Like that doesn't have to be something that you're engaging in active arguments with people over in order for it to set that example. So I would really look first of all, for ways to connect and then 
remove yourself from engaging in any kind of arguments, in any kind of political debates. And, you know, you could have at the ready something to say that explains you're not wanting to do it because maybe if they're accustomed to you doing this or there are people who are particularly aggressive and wanting you to do this, you you need to be ready to just say, you know what, I, I'm not going to talk about that at work. That's not something I'm going to discuss at work. Or, you know, you already you already know how I feel about that and, and it's important to me. And I, I don't think there's much benefit in us debating it right now like this. And then get right back to focusing on relationships with these people. So all of that said, it may very well be that this isn't going to be a long-term place for you to work, but it looks like right now it makes a lot of sense for you to continue working there. So I hope some of what I shared would help you make it a more comfortable environment and a more positive place for you to be working in the meantime. If others have thoughts on how Megan might handle that situation, or if you've ever had a situation like that and want to share how you handled it, I would love to hear from you, you can leave me a voicemail, just record it on your phone and then send it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. That's almost all the time we have. But before we have to go, I just wanted to thank those people who've left me reviews, ratings and reviews over at iTunes. It truly is helpful when you leave a review for the Girlfriends podcast. It lets iTunes know you appreciate it. And then iTunes puts it in front of more people so we can grow our community in that way. Just want to give one shout out to Diana from Arizona who recently left this review. She said, I love this podcast so much. I look forward to it every week. Danielle is relatable and refreshingly honest. She's encouraging, funny, and vulnerable. She has encouraged me and has given me such encouraging advice about how to be a good Catholic mom. And she doesn't even know it love this podcast. So that's from Diana. Well, I do know it now, Diana, because you left the review. Thank you so much. That's so encouraging for me. But even more importantly, it helps us to grow the community of listeners here at Girlfriends. So if you're listening right now and you appreciate the Girlfriends podcast, I want to invite you to take just a moment, go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for Girlfriends. I would be so grateful for that. But most of all, I'm grateful that you've shown up here. Thanks so much for being a part of this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Every week, I pray for the listeners of the Girlfriends Podcast. So you listening right now have been prayed for. I'm so grateful that you're part of this community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 